entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Frank doesn't treat me like a tramp. I want you. Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward. They know what it's all about. They live what it's all about. They make pictures like winning that way, too. You're a winner. What else? He just wants to win. He doesn't care what the stakes are. How is it between a man and a woman when the man thinks winning is everything and the woman thinks mostly of love? Is where you always come? With men? I understood you. I just wanted you to know I'm not easy. Yes, how is it between them? Free and easy? I'm all yours. Stormy? The way it really is with most any couple? Paul Newman. Joanne Woodward. I can't live two lives. I can't live yours and mine, too. In this kind of game where winning is everything, on that big 500 oval in Indianapolis, you can die any second. guitar and the vibrations hit everybody. What would you do? A man's my wife, I'd kill her. You'd kill her, huh? Yeah. Not him, why not both of them? There was this guy high on winning and this girl high on him and well, you take it from there. Don't you judge me! Tonight on Nostalgic Cars and Radios, it's... No, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hi, this is Sam Posey, racing driver, writer, architect. Tune in for Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tan Talk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in sparkling downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, go to our podcast page, which you can find on our website, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you doing? Not bad. How about you? You want to do the social media honors? Yeah. Why don't you go over and follow us on Twitter and Periscope at NRC on Air and Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's it. Anyway, welcome everybody to the show. We've got a great show for you again this evening, and we have a very special guest coming on a little bit later. He's an alumni. We have a lot of alumni coming on because they're very good guys, and they're very good at what they do, and they're very good at... Uh, Telling stories, and that's what this uh, show is all about, telling stories about legends and fascinating people in the motorsports world. Right, Bobby? Yeah, he, he wins, the guest wins the Nostalgic Radio and Cars Award for the world's best automotive tweeter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, def, definitely. Matter of fact, one of the subjects, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about this evening is a little bit about media commentary and motorsports journalism i think that would be kind of an interesting topic tonight because our guest coming on is definitely one of the best in the industry and uh and very well respected and revered in the industry as well now uh little updates on miss money penny our lovable little mgbgt project now from the desk the money penny report <laughs> <laughs> yeah now you know here's the here let me, i gotta tell you guys this is kind of funny now um for those of you guys, and there's probably not a lot of guys that do this, but uh, you've heard of the term or the expression or whatever they call it, the malady called, is it called carpal tunnel? Is that what it's called, Bobby? Carpal tunnel syndrome, and that's if you use a mouse a lot, you know, when you're that, doing a computer that, or something yeah. like that, and your arm and your wrist are not at the right angle. Okay. Now, I'm a, I'm typical of a guy, and I drive most of the time. Uh, when I drive cars, I drive a stick shift. When I drive trucks... And I'm in traffic, I drive automatics, mainly because it's a little bit easier to maneuver and a little bit more comfortable. Now, most of the time in my past, I've driven pretty much most American muscle cars, and the shifters generally have a long throw, okay? So you're throwing your arm forwards and your arm backwards, and that's pretty much what you're doing. You're not flipping the shifter with your wrist, so to speak, unless you're driving a little sports car with a little bit of finesse. Now, even a Porsche regardless of whether it's a 356, which generally also has a very tall shifter and a long throw, but a later 911, especially the later 911s, have a real short shifter and a short throw. Now, by that I mean when you have a short throw on a shifter, that doesn't mean it's a close ratio transmission. A lot of people used to say, oh, yeah, short the shifter, i got a close ratio tranny. No, 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 no. The ratio does not change, okay? That's all done by the combination of gear sets within the transmission itself, and there's some that are what we call low gear ratio ones for... Let's say uh, road racing. You want a you want a wide ratio transmission for a road race car, which means the spread between gears is long. Like in other words, it would go yan 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 yan, you know, and so on. Okay, now a close ratio transmission, the spread between gears is closer. Yan yan yan, and then sometimes fourth gear might be a little bit. Actually, it's the other way around. 
it's even consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then on a wide ratio, you, the difference between third and fourth sometimes is a little bit of wider ratio, and then it'll drop down, and that's because you want high speed for a road race car. So if you were racing at Le Mans or Daytona or someplace like that, you want a wide ratio transmission. If you're racing, let's say, Bristol or a short road course, you might want a close ratio transmission. And definitely if you're drag racing, you want a close ratio transmission. Now, that has nothing to do with the shifter nor the throw of the shifter, okay? That's just a comfort thing, all right? So now, Miss Moneypenny is a little 74 MGB GT, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, too. And uh, the shifter is about uh, seven inches tall, okay? Six, to <laughs> six inches, something like that, okay? And the throw is very short, okay? So you don't throw your arm forwards or backwards. I mean, you're not even using your lats or your forearm or anything like that. Your arm is just kind of like resting on the, in this case, I took the console out. It's resting on the, on the center hump. And you just kind of flip it back and forth with your wrists. Well, what's interesting is I've been driving this car and working on this car with a friend of mine for the last six weeks now, something like that. And a couple days ago, last week, I started noticing a little bit of pain in my wrist, didn't pay much attention to it, you know, because I lift and move stuff constantly. And then the other day on Sunday, I noticed, we took it to a car show on Saturday, got caught in the rain, went to a little British car show slash picnic over with the Tampa Bay uh, British Car Club. Big shout outs to those guys too. Um, matter of fact, I think they have a meeting tonight. It's the last Thursday. Somebody on the phone? Yeah, Quick Shift Charlie wants to tell us something. Quick Shift Charlie. Okay, Quick Shift Charlie. Go ahead, Charlie. <laughs> Robin, what's happening? You know me, I'm crazy, friends of Crazy Al. Hey. Never heard of you. Talk about shifting. How about the other night I'm hearing this guy shift? I'm like, all right, it's one of those shifters. You know, like my first name doesn't, it's not C-H-A, it starts with a P-H. Yeah. And now these little Honda cars are <laughs> driving around with a Oh, yeah, yeah, with a fart can. Yeah, I'm like, all right, what's up with that? Why do you need that? I mean, you don't, you're going 17 miles an hour through the intersection. You're in third gear already. I'm like, we're not fast. <laughs> people know anything about that. I just had to call you up. I was on my way to the gym. I tune in once in a while just to catch you guys. Yeah. Some, some of the great people you have on. And I'm thinking, you know what? I just got to call up and just add add to this attraction about shifting. But yeah, you're a uh, little MG. Yeah, that shifting is like, zip, 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 and you're done. Yeah, that's you right. Know? You're out of gear. Yeah, you know, and you're, and, yeah. you're, and you're top speed. Hey, by the way, we were in Safety Harbor today. We saw a sign over there that said, Joey Piscotti's Bakery. Are you yeah, related to those I, I guys? No, no, no. I don't want to say nothing about nothing about that guy's stuff. Okay. I just wasn't sure. Scott. wasn't sure because I know you used to be in the bakery business. Yeah, and the tang is for Scott. He makes much. But I, I don't want to say no disrespect. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Right. If you want some good stuff, I'll bring some, some stuff by. I've just been kind of busy with a lot of work. Okay. Hey, so, be sure uh, to go to Belladora's Pizza. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you get a 25% discount. They're over hey, on Clover Lugger Road. A big uh, shout out to our friends. For sure, I can. I was going to take Al out, uh, out to eat a week or two ago. We went to two places and we did strike two already. We went to this one guy's place. I don't want to name his place over there, off Virginia, and for food <laughs> and forget about it. And then we went to. Uh, I said, Al, how about Mexican? He goes, Yeah, I need to have some gas. I said, All right, Al, where are we going to go next? So maybe we'll go down there. <laughs> you got it. All right, Charlie. Take care. We'll see you, you later. Have a good one, man. We'll talk to you soon. Stay well. Take care. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Bye. Anyway, so back to my shifter thing. Um, because I think I've been shifting it and driving that car for the last six weeks or so, it finally occurred to me because my wrist hurts when it goes when I push down on it, not when I go up. You know, like if I was using a mouse or something like that at a bad angle. So we've come to the conclusion that possibly I could have got some sort of a carpal tunnel issue. By shifting. That 
That just blows my mind. Now, either I'm getting to be a, an old-age wussy, or uh, I have no idea. What do you think, Bob? You know, um... You know, WebMD would be a pretty good site if they could uh, if they could answer your question there. That's a good idea. Let, let's should. do some self-diagnosis and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get your hopes up too high. I'm Dr. Nicholas... Nicholas Van Helsing, professor of proctology and other related tendencies, graduate of the University of Rangoon, and assorted night classes at the Knoxville, Tennessee College of Faith Healing. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. So right now i got a brace on my hand, my wrist right now, and I'm not going to be driving a stick shift for about a week. I think I'm going to take a break. But at any rate. You talk in front of a microphone instead. Yeah, That's it's a lot. a lot easier talking in front of a microphone. Bobby, how are we doing on time? Are we ready to do a little break here? We got some time. We got a minute. Okay. So anyway, so but anyway, so back to the MGBGT. We got most of the little issues wor- worked out. Bobby's having fun with our sound effects tonight. sound effects tonight. And uh, so the other thing, now let me tell you something about MGBs, okay? Here's what I discovered. They made a million, they made more than a million of those little MGB little devils. And I got to tell you, I kind of equate them to a Mustang. So if anybody out there is looking for an economical, inexpensive, fun little sports car to drive, you can't beat an MGB. I mean, I like Triumphs. The problem we have with it, we had a TR6 there for a while, but you don't have really a lot of shoulder room. An MGB's actually got a lot of room. Parts are relatively accessible. It's I mean, a little really, lighter to push. <laughs> it's lighter to push. That's exactly right. And uh, a lot of room and a lot of fun. So, you know, if you want an open car, hey, you can add, get air in these things too, by the way. But uh, a lot of fun. And if you can, try to find one that runs and drives, has all the bugs worked out of it, because you can buy those cars for, you know, five, six, seven grand, eight grand, ten grand, which is a really, really nice one. But hey, you know what? Six, seven grand, you're going to have a lot of fun. Drive the car for a year or two, get rid of it, you know? It's a vintage car. And if you're going to go to a modern-day car, I'd, I'd suggest going out and getting a little Mazda Miata because you can't destroy those things. In fact, I was telling my friend today when I stopped by his shop, he goes, why are you wearing that uh, wrist brace? And I said, because I, I think this little MGB's uh, got a little something for me, and it's uh, it's cursed my little wrist or something. And he says, you know, it's funny because he has a Miata, and it had to, he had the same problem, you know, because it has a short-throw shifter. But, again, these little sports cars are a lot of fun. Now, getting back to American cars, Things that are readily available, readily affordable is, you know, your basic Mustang. You know, you can buy a, a nice little 65, 66 Mustang Coupe, 67, 68, which is still nostalgic. Put a nice set of uh, torque thrust wheels on it, a little V8, dress them up a little bit. You can have a nice coupe driver for under 10 grand, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 grand, about in the same price range. So the MG, actually, if you want to open cars, a lot more fun. Now, a BGT is a coupe, hatchback coupe, which I kind of like. Um, it's, you know, a little bit more substantial. Uh, obviously, when you have the air working, it's cooler. You can haul things in it, too, which is kind of neat, because we converted the back seat to kind of like a fold-down, like a Mach 1. You got a little music for us, Bob? We got some Huey Lewis in the news. Well, I think that this song is probably appropriate for my wrist, don't you think? Yeah, he wants a new drug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, you're tuning into the Studs Radio Cars. We got a little Huey Lewis in the news. I want a new drug. I make me feel
listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer one, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Touch this. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. Hi everybody, this is David Hobbs, racing driver and speed commentator, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and uh, where was I talk, talk, uh, that, 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 oh yeah, talking about uh, inexpensive cars. Now, our guest is coming on a little bit later, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the auction, we're going to talk about Barrett-Jackson, which just took place this past weekend. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, collector cars and values and stuff like that. But the trick right now, I think for a lot of people, you don't want to have a lot of money wrapped up in a car. So what you got to do is you got to kind of look for something that's affordable, that's a lot of fun. So convertibles, you know, some of the British stuff is cheap. Like I said, the MGB GT, the Triumph Spitfire is another relatively inexpensive car. If you want to step up a few grand more, you can buy a uh, TR6, obviously. The TR4s, TR250s is a little bit more. Uh, getting some of the vintage cars like the MGAs and uh, the TDs and TFs and TCs and stuff like that, they're getting a little pricier. They're fifteen to twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. But American cars, there's really not a lot out there now. The big '60s cars, you know, like if you get a big Buick, a big Pontiac, a big Chevrolet, you, you'll find those cars again, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe fifteen thousand dollars. That's still relatively affordable, and you can still find those cars out there. And again, I cannot overemphasize: if you're real handy with the tools. And I'm kind of somewhat handy, and I'm a tanker type kind of guy. That's fine. You can buy something that needs a little bit of work. But if you're not, buy the simplest car for the least amount of money that runs and drives that you can have a lot of fun with. So regardless of what that car is. Now, again, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. At, go to my website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. You can send us an email, and we will respond to you, and we will give you some, you know, some free consulting. Now, if you need appraisals or pre-purchase inspections, definitely give us a call because that's one of our specialties. That and total losses and diminished values. But um, we've been get at, or I've been getting asked that a lot lately, is you know because now the summer's here, you know people kind of want to drive around a little bit, even though it's hot in Florida. You know in the evenings you can still putz around in cars. Of course, most people are probably boating this time of year and fishing since that's the big thing since we're surrounded by water. So 
Oh, yeah. And don't forget motorcycles, too. You know, if you want to buy a bike, you know, you can buy a lot of really cool vintage bikes. Again, you buy those bikes for 1500 bucks, two grand. You get yourself a nice bike. The other day, as a matter of fact, I was in the guy's shop, and he had a 78 BMW R1000 with a sidecar. Now, because of the fact that it had a very rare sidecar, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a French-made sidecar. Really neat with a nice little... Nice looking spoke wheel, bicycle wheel, tire on the side of it. Nice little canopy, uh, lights and everything front and rear. Easy to get in and out of. Um, but kind of a unique European style one. That was $2,500 for the collective package, which is really not a bad deal. So, you know, like I said, we got a guest on the line. Somebody wants to ask a question or something? Oh, about no. It? I was going to ask you, uh, what was that? Was that 25% off at Belladora's oh, Pizza yeah. and Pasta, I heard? Big shout out to our friends at Belladora's Pizza and Pasta Parlor on Clearwater Lager Road. Give them a shout. 727-581-5000. That's 727-581-5000. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you will get a 25% discount. That's Belladora's Pizza on Clearwater Lager Road. 25% off for all Nostalgic Radio Cars listeners. 727-581-5000. And don't forget, hey, you know, used to be on Wednesdays, but now it's Tuesdays. Rib Shack, bait, Rib Shack Barbecue over off of uh, West Bay Drive. They're getting ready to move to a new location by the end of the year. But anyway, you want a great deal and super food, super tasty barbecue with their special sauce. Give the guys at the Rib Shack Barbecue a call. Their number is 727-501-9090. 727-501-9090. Mention Nostalgic Radio Cars. And yeah, they'll give you a soda or two. So how did I do there so far, Bob? I think you're good. I think well, you're good. I think they got a lot of food to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars and about. Yeah, we're working on some other restaurants. So as soon as we get those guys all hooked up, we're going to have all of these restaurants. Matter of fact, with Belladora's Pizza, what we're thinking about doing is a Belladora's, what we call it, hot rods or hoagies and... and no, hoagies we, and hot rods. Or we, cars and cannolis or something like that. We're trying to come up with something. We should have asked Charlie because Charlie would come up with something really cool. So cars and cannolis. We're going to do a little impromptu evening car show at Belladora's Pizzas on Tuesday nights, you know, starting like around 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night. Guys, just drive in. We're going to have the radio show blaring down there. As a matter of fact, we may even do a live remote. What do you think about that, Bobby? I think that sounds like a Don't wonderful we sound like Facil. It's going to be huge. It's huge. It's right there. <laughs> you get yourself a huge pizza. So... Eric Clapton here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening.
In terms of dealing with the media, I think it's important that you be personable, that you be presentable, and that you are polite with people. You know, it doesn't mean you have to kiss but you just, you know, have to show some interest in people that want to show interest in you. The thing that I try to impress on young drivers is that journalists are human beings too. And naturally, you're more interested in talking about people that you like. So I think it behooves a young driver to do everything he can to make getting to know him or her as easy as possible. Things like a website. You know, this is the electronic age. If I can go to someplace really quickly and find out about you, that makes my job easier. I'm more inclined to write about you or talk about you or, or get to know you well enough to be able to speak about you publicly. So I would definitely recommend a website. Doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't need elaborate photography and bells and whistles. What it needs to have is current, accurate information about the individual driver, your background, what you've done, what your goals are, and so forth. One thing that I do think is important to young athletes, though, is that you think hard about why you do what you do. Because that's always the first question you're going to be asked is, why do you do this? So have a reason. You know, don't just say, well, I just like it, or, you know, I like to go fast. You know, what, what, what moves your soul? What makes this satisfying for you? Think about the kinds of questions that you're likely to get asked and have good answers for them at hand. I think it's also important to differentiate yourself to someone from the media. I mean, there's thousands of aspiring young drivers out there. What is it about you that makes you different? Maybe it's something entirely away from the racetrack. Maybe you were a spelling bee champion or good at some other sports or have some really eclectic hobby. Maybe you play a musical instrument. Maybe you're a wonderful gourmet chef. Something like that that a journalist can use as a hook that makes you stand out from the crowd a little bit, that this guy's worth paying attention to because he's an interesting individual. And you know, it's, it's always gonna be awkward, particularly if you have a lot of sponsors. So I think once again, it's used to, to be a little premeditated. Think about your sponsor and how what your sponsor wants to get across can impact the people out there. Uh, Daryl Waltrip is, has always been very good at that. When he was driving the Tide car, you know, he would say something afterwards like, well, you know, today was a bad memory that even Tide couldn't wash away. You know, something like that. Um, you know, that's a, that's a way to get it in there. But, yeah, it's, it's become a cliche that guys just spit out this long retinue of, of sponsors. And, it, you know, it, it's usually not going to get on the air simply because, you know, that's not what we do. We want to hear what the driver thinks. And, you know, the sponsorship will work its way in naturally. From Nostalgic Radio and Cars, this is Jackie Stewart at Laguna Seca and with Rolex, and I hope everybody enjoys what's going on here, and of course the radio show. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, the legendary motorsports commentator and friend, Bob Varsha. Bob, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, Robert. How are you? Now, there, I played that segment because I was trying to figure out some of the stuff that we could talk about tonight, because I remember one time you and I had a little dialogue exchange, and you said, you know, we should maybe, you know, divest your discussions a little bit from maybe cars sometimes or and talk about some other stuff. So I wanted to talk a little bit about three things tonight. One, about your, you know, Barrett-Jackson, uh, the Formula One race that you just covered, or not Formula One, the 24-hour Le Mans, and a little bit your take on media, because... I run into this problem, and I'm kind of like going to you for advice because everything that you touched base on in that little interview there, that little segment, is the difficulties that I have trying to get these younger drivers on the show because there's they have no substance, no experience, and you can't talk to them. Well, 
And I'm surprised you're telling me now that that was me. I thought whoever I was listening to was some guy who really was switched on about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a you know it's a it's a an issue if that's the right word that every journalist comes across. You know, it's as I tried to allude to there. You know, a journalist is doing a job just like a racing driver is, and mm-hmm. you know they each need the other. So you got to find that common ground and find a way to make the other's job a little easier and better. And um, you know, that's why we get paid to do this, I guess. And and that's the fascinating part of this whole business to me, is not watching colorful, noisy cars go flying by and cheating death and all those other cliches. It's it's seeing compelling people, athletes, achieving their dreams, or, or even being denied their dreams, because there's a really good human story in that, too. It's yeah, The human drama, as Jim McKay wrote at the beginning of Wide World of Sports, the human drama of athletic competition. You know, we had Sam Posey on last week, and mm-hmm. there was one little segment, and I, I asked him the question. I said, okay, Sam, so the morning of the race, what's the one of the first things that you think about what goes through your mind? And he says, well, when I'm brushing my teeth, is this going to be the last time I brush my teeth? And I, and I had wow. to think about that for a second because that's pretty profound. I mean, it's pretty powerful because when you think about that, just like you talked about a second ago, you know, the human drama, you know, the, the guys being able to realize their dreams and the guys being denied their dreams. And in, in a worst-case scenario, because back in Sam's day when they were racing, you know, it wasn't uncommon for those guys not to finish a race. Right. right. And, uh, but the reason I brought this up a little bit is because a couple of years ago, I was at the St. Pete Grand Prix, and we were there at the media center. We were going to interview some people. And I won't mention the driver's name, and some of them were notable drivers. Some of them were the sons of notable drivers. And I was amazed at how when I talked to their parents or some of their friends or their earlier, con- earlier contemporaries, if you want to use the term, they were real receptive, but these younger kids, they're too busy kind of hiding behind their little texting and their little things, and, and, and you, couldn't carry, they had, you couldn't carry on a conversation. I found it very difficult to get them to talk about, just like you said, are you a musician? Are you a gourmet chef? Are you, do, you, are you, do you have a green thumb? Do you like to grow things in your garden? I mean, you couldn't, they, they, they nothing, zip zero, nada. Yeah, well, you, you run across that. And I think, truth be told, if they had it to do over again, they would look inwardly, as I suggested that they do before any journalist approaches them, and think about, you know, what, who am I? What do I do? Why, do? why is this important to me? What are the other things I like to do? And, um, and if those young drivers that you had problems with hadn't thought about it then, maybe they have by now, and they'll be more interesting and more relatable and a better story for the media for having done that. But, you know, you can take a horse to water, and and if they don't do that, if they're not approachable, if they're not a good interview, this business is too tough to get into, speaking about race driving now, um, to, to come with anything less than your best game. I think any driver who thinks about it will tell you that, particularly the drivers who have made it. This is, uh, this is just, you know, it's a, part of the, uh, it's a part of the picture. It's a part of what you have to have. You know, the media skills, the fan skills, the, the, and, of course, the, the lap time and the engineering skills and the technical side of things. You've just got to be a complete package if you're going to get to the highest levels of motorsports. And I, I do a lot of media training, and I, and I talk with young drivers about this kind of thing all the time. 
you know, don't think I'm going to impress a fan or a journalist by telling them that I am absolutely devoted to racing and I do nothing else and I just eat, sleep, and drink and all this kind of stuff. It's, really? Is that what you do? I mean, that's, that, that's, not, the, that's not the whole person. I don't think that's a particularly interesting person. And, you know, Stan Posey is probably the, the, the archetype of the thinking driver, the guy with varied interests. Sam was just honored at the Saratoga Auto Museum last weekend, and I, I was killing myself because I couldn't make it because I had uh, something else to do at Barrett-Jackson. But, I mean, Sam's life as artist and architect and writer and broadcaster, as well as a decorated racing driver, is a, is a fabulous story, and it'll be told over and over again for a long time to come because he is such a, an engaging and interesting guy. That doesn't mean you have to be just like Sam, but... You know, take a lesson from from what you see out there. Mario Andretti. Here's a guy with a a tremendous variety of interests, endlessly popular, even decades after his driving career ended, because you can always have a great conversation with Mario. I mean, he will always engage with you, and he'll say things that are quotable. And Jackie Stewart's another one. You just played a comment from him. Um, You know, there's a reason these guys are who they are. You, uh, I was watching a little video because I always try to do a little research, um, you know, before I have a guest on the show to kind of get something fresh. And there was a little interview I saw with you out in Long Beach, and you were at Formula E, which I'm not sure what that is. I'll let you elaborate on that a little bit. But you had Dario <laughs> Franchitti there. So tell us, what was it like working with Dario? Because he's really a modern-day race car driver, but he's kind of like a overall well-balanced kind of guy. Absolutely, he is. And a great student of the game. I was actually the interloper there. Dario works the Formula E Series worldwide, 10 or 11 events a year, um, with another announcer. Uh, that announcer was unavailable. His name is Jack Nichols, young young Englishman. He was unavailable for that Long Beach weekend because he also does Formula One on radio. I believe it's for the BBC. So they needed someone to work with Dario and host the show. And, uh, and they asked me, and I was happy to do it. I host the Fox coverage of Formula E um, through both of its seasons to this point. Uh, so I sat in Jack's seat working with Dario, who, of course, has endless experience and champ car titles and DPM and all the single-seater stuff and, uh, of course, Indy 500 victories and, and just loves the sport so much. Um, he's one of those really fascinating guys to chat with. And, uh, and so it was a great experience. It was uh, terrific working with him. We've got Formula E coming up this weekend. You want to talk about Formula E right now? Yeah, tell me a little bit. I don't know much about it. I'm thinking, is it E as in, like, something to do with eco and electric? E as in electricity. Okay. The world's first FIA world championship level, not strictly a world championship because they don't have enough international involvement yet, but it is the world's first fully electric open-wheel racing series. Uh, The cars are terrific. Uh, the series runs through the winter time, so they're coming to the end of their second season. Uh, they run the equivalent of 270 horsepower. They're they're quick. They are not noisy. They are a very different kind of, of racing animal. I've actually driven the race car, and it's like, and I mean no disrespect, but it's like a big shifter cart. Instant torque. They accelerate with neck-snapping force. Um, they run on treaded uh, 18-inch width. Michelin tires, all-weather tires that they run wet or dry. 
Um, it's a it's a fabulous series that is not only great competition with a driver lineup that you would not believe. I mean, ten Formula One guys, um, a bunch of folks who race sports cars, former world champions, Sebastian Buemi races in Formula E. It's a, a terrific series with tremendous backing from the car manufacturers, from the FIA. It's a platform for the technologies of electric propulsion, electric mobility, that will hopefully hasten the development of technologies that we'll see in streetcars in terms of power, longevity, um, battery, and energy storage, battery technology. Um, it's, it's really a fascinating package. They travel the world, single-day events. Now, this weekend we've got the season finale, which is a doubleheader in Battersea Park in London. Last year, the championship was won by Nelson Piquet Jr. by a single point. I mean, it went down to the last corner of the last race of the season, and it's going to do that again, I think, because we have two drivers, Lucas Degrassi and Sebastian Buemi, who are one point apart going into the final weekend in London. So it's going to be on Fox Sports 1 and 2 this coming weekend. Um, the, The actual program schedule for practice, qualifying, and the races on two consecutive days it's more than I can go into right now, but I urge everybody to go to fox.com and check out the um, the program schedule for Formula E. It's it's fabulous. They get a great crowd. Uh, the cars are about as noisy as your average uh, interstate highway. Uh, so they play music during the race. They have specifically commissioned rock and techno music that they play, and they have a big carnival-type atmosphere at every race. It's a lot of fun. Interesting. Where, where are the events, some of the events held here in the United States? Well, the, there were two United States rounds last year in the inaugural season. They raced in Miami, Florida, and they raced at uh, Long Beach. Uh, Miami turned out to be too difficult an event to, to repeat. Uh, they spent tons of money. There was so much uh, legislative uh, hoops to jump through. Uh, anytime you wanted to drive a stake in the ground, you needed to talk to 12 committees. Uh, that's just my opinion. So it just became too burdensome. So the Miami race went away. Long Beach has been on the schedule the last two races. They use a modified version of the full-on IndyCar course. Um, and it was it, it's a fabulous show. Jimmy Kalian and his Grand Prix Association of Long Beach put on a great show no matter what. I mean, they run three consecutive weekends of racing out there. They have Formula E. Next weekend, they have Drift. The next weekend, they have uh, IndyCars. It's a great marriage of of the city and the event. Well, it, uh, seems, it, it seems like they get it then from a promotional thing, because it takes a lot of time and effort and staff to set the road, the street courses up. There's a lot of work in that. No, there's a tremendous amount of work, and I have nothing but admiration for the entire team that puts these races together, not only the promoter lineup, but the, uh, the FIA Formula E group as well. They're looking for a race in New York, in the New York City metropolitan area in the future, and I think they're going to get it probably over in Brooklyn, but we'll have to wait and see. Let me ask you this. Okay, so since you're talking about it, you referred to Long Beach. You spoke about Miami. Now, do you think they get more of a draw, more publicity, more more spectators if they do a street course as opposed to, let's say, like a sanctioned track like Coda or Mid-Ohio Road Atlanta or something like that? Well, the reason they run street circuits is because they want to put this electronic technology in the location where it is most useful. The okay. inner cities are the parts of the country that have problems 
with emissions. These cars are virtually free of emissions, so they want to race on an inner-city street course to prove that uh, you can put on a great show, you don't have the, the terrific noise that angers a lot of people in those environments, and you have uh, you know a non-polluting motor race going on with fabulous international driver talent and, uh, and something for everyone in terms of the fan experience. Interesting. Let's uh, jump into uh, the the past twenty four hour Le Mans. Now you are are you were doing the commentating there. So oh yeah, real quick, one, I'm gonna digress on the on the Formula E. How, do you travel with them or do you go to a specific location and 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 do your commentating? How does that work? Well, typically I go to our Fox Sports studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, and I host from there, and I toss it to. Jack Nichols and Dario Franchitti and Nikki Shields, who is their fit reporter. Okay. So we kind of go back and forth. Okay. Now, is that what you did during the Le Mans, the 24-hour Le Mans race as well, when you covered that? Yes, that's what we did. Actually, you know, every major sports television operation is leaning in that direction. The business model is such that there's so much money to be saved by having announcers in studio rather than on site. It's a different way to do television, and I suppose you could argue that it's not ideal in certain ways, you'd rather be right there speaking face-to-face to the athletes before you go talk about them on television. But it is very, very doable, and it does save a lot of money. I think ESPN, I understand, is doing college basketball that way. Uh, I think a number of events from the Rio Olympics on NBC are going to be done from studio. It's, it's just the way the industry is going, except for the very, very prime events, you know, the Super Bowls and what have you. Okay. Well, take us to Le Mans. That was a very, very dramatic end. Oh, boy. No, no other way to describe that one. It was absolutely uh, heartbreaking, I think, is the only word to use. I mean, kudos to Porsche. They fought the good fight. They were there at the end. They picked up what Toyota laid down. And Toyota led basically the entire second 12 hours of the race only to suffer a, a mechanical glitch at the end that basically crippled the car. Uh, you know, it went into shutdown mode. Um, I mean, for Toyota to try as long and hard and, 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 and not realize the return on the investment they've made in winning the world's greatest race, um, it was just painful to watch. And that, If I'm honest, I think it kind of colored everybody's um, attitude about the experience, which is not fair to Porsche, who actually did win for the second straight year. Not fair to Ford, who won the GTLM uh, Pro category uh, for the first, you know, to commemorate the uh, their first victory there in 1966 66. when they won the overall. Fifty years later, they came out with this fabulous new GT and um, and won their class. So kudos to them. But again, all anybody could talk about at the end was Toyota, and, and perhaps rightly so. Did Toyota, now, I, I don't remember, were they, is this the first year for that particular car in at the 24-hour, or did they have this campaign, this car, last year as well? No, this was a total redesign and rebuild. Um, when the World Endurance Championship, of which the 24 Hours of Le Mans is a critical part, when they announced hybrid rules for the Le Mans Prototype 1 category for the factory cars, Toyota was there, and in fact, they won in 2014. They won the world championship, both for manufacturers and for drivers, with Anthony Davidson 
and Sebastian Buemi. Um, but Porsche, when they entered the sport in 2015, uh, excuse me, in 2014, they had uh, a better idea. They used an entirely different technology, uh, their, their energy storage, their turbocharger system. It's an extremely technical sport, but the cars are absolutely fascinating. I mean, at this point, they're doing laps as fast as they have for, well, since the World Endurance Championship came into effect back in 2012, and they're doing it on one-third less fuel because each year the, the sanctioning body cuts back the fuel, cuts back the fuel, cuts back the sheer energy that you're allowed to manipulate in whatever way you want to get around the lap. So Toyota found out in 2015, after winning the championships the year before, that they had an uncompetitive product. So they just knuckled down, redesigned the whole thing, changed the engine uh, from a normally aspirated V8 to a twin-turbocharged V6, uh, changed their energy storage, going from supercapacitors to battery storage, uh, just changed the whole car from the ground up and from front to back, and nailed it, as best we could tell. <laughs> Certainly at Le Mans, they were very, very quick. Uh, they were equally quick in the first two rounds of the World Endurance Championship, uh, which continues with the six hours of the Nürburgring at the end of July. Um, but they just had this one little mechanical failure, and we spoke about it over and over and again in the broadcast, you, you don't win Le Mans. Le Mans chooses you. You have to do everything perfectly. And uh, as hard as it is to believe, with four minutes or so to go in the race, um, Taz Nakajima called in and said, I'm losing power, I'm losing power. Basically, uh, an air line from the intercooler, the turbo intercooler, to the manifold uh, broke and the electronics of the engine basically went into self-preservation mode and slowed the car down. And uh, there was nothing really that they could do about it. They got it to the finish line so the engineers could tell Nakajima what to do to get around the last lap, but he went around the last lap in more than six minutes, which by rule means you are not classified. If you don't get to the checkered flag under your own power and you don't complete the last lap in under six minutes, you're not classified. So they went from the race lead, essentially, to DNF uh, in a matter of four minutes. Wow. Unbelievable. Now, for our listeners, we need to point out that you're referring to the LMP2 class, which was, in this particular case, with Toyota and Porsche, we're talking about hybrid cars, correct? Right. This is LMP1. Or LMP1, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's also an LMP1 privateer class using normally aspirated cars, and there's only three of them in the class right now but we expect a lot more next year because they're going to be given a big power boost and uh, and the opportunity to compete more on a heads-up basis with the big LMP factory teams. Rebellion and the Bicoles team run an LMP1 privateer. And then there's the LMP2 category, which is essentially a spec category using a number of different chassis um, and basically all Nissan engines. They're going to use a spec engine entirely next year, which will come from Gibson Engineering in Great Britain, um, and that's sort of a cost-contained prototype category. It was That was the biggest class of the Mans this year with about 23 cars, and not only was Michael Shank racing from the IMSA WeatherTech Series over there to make their Le Mans debut in the LMP2 class, Bobby Rahal was there, and Troy Fliss with the VisitFlorida.com racing team were there. So Le Mans is just going to get bigger and better, and the American participation will be bigger and bigger going forward. I think this year we had 
the biggest American participation ever with 22 drivers in the field of 180 and a number of American teams, uh, including the Ford guys from Chip Ganassi Racing, Corvette Racing, who have won their class on so many occasions. And the list goes on and on. You know, 60 cars in this race in four different classes, plus a special innovative car that doesn't race for points or prize money, but is there to showcase uh, a particular type of technology. In this case, it was um, prosthetic controls that a quadruple amputee driver by the name of Frederick Sassonet, um raced along with two veteran able-bodied drivers, and he completed more than his share of, of stints, and he had competitive lap times, and that was another great story from Le Mans in 2016. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like the, a few years ago when they had the uh, the car, the Panos car. The what was it? The one with the right when the Delta Wing. Delta went Wing, over. right? <clears throat> yeah. There's only been about four or five innovative cars over the years. They're 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 strictly by invitation. You know, you have to make your pitch to the Automobile Club of the West that runs the 24 hours, and they may accept you, they may not, but they did. And this was the first of the innovative cars to actually get to the finish of the 24 hours. So that was uh, a, a big uh, kudos to them. Wow. But the race the race is just fabulous. It's my favorite race of the world. Interesting. So what's the next? So are you full-time now covering with Fox Sports again? Well, yeah, I've never been anything but. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't been as busy as I have in the past. You know, we've had some, we had some, some series move away. MotoGP went to another network. So that kind of cut into my my airtime a bit, which is unfortunate because I really like the series I cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still doing World Endurance, partnered with Calvin Fish, and I do the Formula E races, and uh, we'll continue on down the road, hopefully. Well, you know, one thing I also noticed is you're very, very active as a tweeter. <laughs> yeah. You've you got that down to a science, don't you? Well, you know, I I figure if anybody sends me a message, they deserve a response. So, oh. I mean, if I'm filling up people's timelines, I apologize. But uh, I like engaging with the fans. I like to know what people like and don't like, because uh, that helps me do my job better. And it's always fascinating to see, you know, what sort of hot button issues are out there for people. Absolutely. Now we're just about up against the clock, but boy, Bob, we got to have you on again too. I wanted to talk a little bit about Barrett Jackson, but we only have sure. less than a minute left, and uh, okay. so I think we can spend it. But just in in a, in a few short sentences, can you say was it overwhelming? Were you impressed? I was very impressed. This was Barrett Jackson's first ever auction at Mohegan Sun Resort and Casino in Connecticut, and for the first time in the forty-five year history, every available ticket sold out before they opened the doors on day one on Thursday. The place was packed. Normally people come and go, but in, in this situation in Connecticut, I have never seen the room so full from the beginning to the end of the auction. And the prices were good, the car lineup was good, and uh, my colleagues working Discovery and Velocity channels had a great time. Super. Bob, if you want to find out more about you, get in touch with you, how do they do it real quick? Uh, sure. You can, uh, well, you can see him, find me on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, and, uh, you know, I'm always ready to share a story. Super. Well, I'm going to have you on again here in the next couple of months because I love having you on the show. I want to thank my special guest, Bob Varsha, probably the most legendary contemporary commentator in motorsports and a super nice guy. Bob, thank you again for coming on Nostalgic Window and Cars. Hey, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to follow Bob Varsha, too. If you've missed any of our past shows, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, don't forget to like us on Facebook. And, Bobby, go ahead. Social media real quick. Twitter and Periscope, at NRC on Air, Facebook and YouTube. 
LinkedIn, Nostalgic Radio, and Cars. Yeah, the next major event that we will go be uh, the the next major event that the team from Nostalgic Radio and Cars will be attending is Monterey. So in the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Singing to his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen.